Section 21 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Irma Martin. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part 1, Book the Second, Chapter 11, The Caskets. It was indeed the casket's light. A lighthouse of the nineteenth century is a high cylinder of masonry, surmounted by scientifically constructed machinery for throwing light. The Caskets Lighthouse, in particular, is a triple white tower, bearing three light rooms. These three chambers revolve on clockwork wheels, with such precision that the man on watch who sees them from sea can invariably take ten steps during their irradiation, and twenty-five during their eclipse. Everything is based on the focal plan, and on the rotation of the octagon drum, formed of eight wide simple lenses in range, having above and below it two series of dioptric rings, an algebraic gear, secured from the effects of the beating of winds and waves by glass a millimeter thick, yet sometimes broken by the sea-eagles, which dash themselves like great moths against these gigantic lanterns. The building which encloses and sustains this mechanism and in which it is set, is also mathematically constructed. Everything about it is plain, exact, bare, precise, correct. A lighthouse is a mathematical figure. In the seventeenth century, a lighthouse was a sort of plume of the land on the seashore. The architecture of a lighthouse tower was magnificent and extravagant. It was covered with balconies, balusters, lodges, alcoves, weathercocks. Nothing but masks, statues, foliage, volutes, reliefs, figures large and small, medallions with inscriptions. Pax and Bayo, said the Eddystone Lighthouse. We may as well observe, by the way, that this declaration of peace did not always disarm the ocean. Winstonley repeated it on a lighthouse which he constructed at his own expense, on a wild spot near Plymouth. The tower being finished, he shut himself up in it to have it tried by the tempest. The storm came, and carried off the lighthouse and Winstonly in it. Such excessive adornment gave too great a hold to the hurricane, as generals too brilliantly equipped in battle draw the enemy's fire. Besides whimsical designs in stone, they were loaded with whimsical designs in iron, copper, and wood. The ironwork was in relief, the woodwork stood out. On the sides of the lighthouse there jutted out, clinging to the walls among the arabesques, engines of every description, useful and useless, windlasses, tackles, pulleys, counterpoises, ladders, cranes, grapnels. On the pinnacle around the light delicately wrought ironwork held great iron chandeliers, in which were placed pieces of rope steeped in resin, wicks which burned doggedly, and which no wind extinguished and from top to bottom the tower was covered by a complication of sea-standards, banderoles, banners, flags, pennons, colors which rose from stage to stage, from story to story, a medley of all hues, all shapes, all heraldic devices, all signals, all confusion, up to the light-chamber, making, in the storm, a gay riot of tatters about the blaze. That insolent light on the brink of the abyss showed like a defiance, and inspired shipwrecked men with a spirit of daring. But the casket's light was not after this fashion. 
It was at that period merely an old barbarous lighthouse, such as Henry I had built it after the loss of the white ship, a flaming pile of wood under an iron trellis, a brazier behind a railing, a head of hair flaming in the wind. The only improvement made in this lighthouse since the twelfth century was a pair of forged bellows worked by an indented pendulum and a stone weight, which had been added to the light chamber in 1610. The fate of the seabirds who chanced to fly against these old lighthouses was more tragic than those of our days. The birds dashed against them, attracted by the light, and fell into the brazier, where they could be seen struggling like black spirits in a hell, and at times they would fall back again between the railings upon the rock, red-hot, smoking, lame, blind, like half-burnt flies out of a lamp. To a full-rigged ship in good trim, answering readily to the pilot's handling, the casket's light is useful. It cries, look out! It warns her of the shoal. To a disabled ship it is simply terrible. The hull, paralyzed and inert, without resistance, without defense against the impulse of the storm or the mad heaving of the waves, a fish without fins, a bird without wings, can but go where the wind wills. The lighthouse shows the end, points out the spot where it is doomed to disappear, throws light upon the burial. It is the torch of the sepulchre, to light up the inexorable chasm, to warn against the inevitable. What more tragic mockery! End of section 21